I wanted to blow my nose. Take your Bibles out and please go to John's Gospel. John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Page, nine, page 90 in that black Bible in the chair in front of you. Page 90. John chapter 20. This morning we're going to look at verses 19 through 23. 19 through 23 of John 20. I prayed for Uganda. I had a friend of mine, I had um, got together with him on Thursday. He actually does a ministry called SOS, Sufficiency of Scripture Ministries. He's a TMS grad. I've known him for 25 years. So, Shannon Hurley, and uh, just a great brother. So, very encouraging to meet with him. Thursday, met for about an hour or so, an hour and a half. This is great. So, that's uh, so why Uganda's on my mind, so we pray for Uganda because he does a ministry in Uganda. Uh, what they're doing there is, is wonderful. He's actually preaching, I think preaching. Is he preaching? I think he's preaching at Santan Bible Church where Michael, our son, is. he attends there. He's a member there. So he's preaching this morning down there in uh, Gilbert. So, Anyways, that's encouraging. It's interesting too because talking about Uganda and missions and things like that, that's what you see here in John chapter, 19, excuse me, John chapter 20, verse 19 through 23. Let me read in the midst of allergies. Therefore, when it was evening, that day of the first of the week, and when the doors were locked, where the disciples were because of fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace to you. And saying this, he showed to them both the hands and the side. Therefore, the disciples rejoiced, seeing the Lord. Therefore, Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. And saying this, he blew and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they have been forgiven them. If you retain of any, they have been retained. What if I told you I inherited $5 million. And you can also inherit $5 million. Wouldn't you want to find out if what I'm saying is true? Wouldn't you want to inherit $5 million? And I can actually give that to you. I'll tell you about it. I've inherited $5 million. I can, I can give to you $5 million. So you inherit that too. Wouldn't you want that? As Jesus' followers... We're given such a treasure in Christ that's far beyond $5 million. He's given us his peace. He's given us forgiveness of sins. And we get to give this to others. We are receivers and we're also givers. That's what we're gonna see today. Come receive Jesus, believe Jesus, know Jesus. Come receive peace but then you can also give peace. If you can sum up this passage in any way, you can sum up this way. We receive peace and we're givers of peace. We are receivers of peace and givers of peace. We are takers of peace and givers of peace. I don't think of takers like, "Eh, take that, but we take the peace that's given to us Jesus offers us peace. We take that and then we turn around and give it to others. 
We're receivers of peace. And we're givers of peace. Here's another way to put it. We are heirs of grace and heralds of grace. You inherit grace and you herald, you you proclaim grace. We're receivers of grace and ministers of grace. Or another way to put it as well. We are partakers of peace and participate in the mission of peace. Now that we're partakers of Jesus' peace, we participate with God, speaking to the world this message of peace and forgiveness. We find peace in the scars of the resurrected Jesus. Because in his death, and his resurrection, we are forgiven of our sins. So we'll sum it up, you'll see, we'll sum up the passage like this. In Jesus we have peace. Like Jesus we're on mission. By Jesus we accomplish this mission. From Jesus we proclaim with authority this mission. In Jesus we have peace, like Jesus we're on mission. By Jesus we accomplish his mission. From Jesus we proclaim with authority. This is what we're going to see in the passage. So we find peace in the scars of the resurrected Jesus and we are on mission in that we, we join God in the Spirit calling the world to find peace in Jesus. So that's where we're receivers but we're also givers. We find true peace in the sacrificial scars of the resurrected Jesus through whom we also receive forgiveness of all our sins. Now, Jesus commands us to continue in the Spirit God's mission, joining Him and calling people to find forgiveness of their sins in the scars of Jesus too. We find peace and forgiveness in the scars of Jesus. We say to people, come, find peace and forgiveness in the scars of Jesus. Receivers, givers. You get that? And we, as Jesus' church, we have the authority to proclaim this forgiveness of sins through Jesus' redemptive work on the cross. Jesus gives us that authority to proclaim this to them. And the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, He's with us and He empowers us to accomplish this mission. Worth far more than $5 million. This is our purpose as a church. We join in God's mission through Jesus in and by the Spirit to call people to repent and trust in Jesus through whom they can be forgiven of all their sins finding peace. That's our mission. That's our purpose. As we participate in God's mission, we're really participating in the life of God. Clink has said this so well. He's been so helpful here. He's been helpful so many times in John's Gospel and he's very helpful in these few verses. All kudos to him. All kudos to Christ. 
We respond to God's nature by worshiping God. God who is the missionary God. We exist to worship Jesus alone. So we're partakers of this peace and forgiveness. And we also join God in calling people to find peace and forgiveness, which is a response of worship. That's a worshipful response. A worshipful response and praising the God who loves the world and calls them to repent. So, if missions lacks in a church... It's not because it doesn't have the right strategies. It's not because they, they don't have the right programs. Or it's not because they, they have any evangelistic programs for that matter. No. The problem is poor worship of God. That would be the problem. They're not worshiping God. Piper says it well. Missions exist because worship does not exist. That's why there's missions. Because people aren't worshiping. They're not worshiping God. And and, and, and when you say worship, I I don't mean this music. They're just singing. Churches, they say that. Who's the worship leader? Why do they say that? It's just so annoying. The worship leader, everything's worship. Right now, we're looking at God's word. That's worship. That's just not the music. It's a, it's a church that aligns themselves to God's nature and character. The more we worship God, the more we join God, and the more missional we become in the mission of God. So that's all introduction. Four aspects will arise from the text. Let me get this darn thing out of my pocket. Four aspects arise from the text that we're going to see this morning. Aspect number one. In Jesus we have peace. This is where we see that we are receivers. Verse 19 and 20. Therefore when it was evening, on the day of the first of the week, the doors were locked where the disciples were because they feared the Jews. Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace to you. Evening, the first of the week. Excuse me, again, another allusion to the first day of creation. The first day of creation. On that day, and and I don't mean the actual first day, but that first time where God created everything, the first man was made, and, and you read, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living nephesh, a living soul. Here, the new creation is going to happen. There was the first creation. Here's the new creation, or the recreation, if you want. There was the first humanity. Here is the new humanity. Jesus will breathe new life to bring a new creation, a new humanity founded on Jesus' death. So notice, it's the first, the doors are locked. Because they feared the Jews, that is the religious leaders. So here's 10 disciples, because Thomas wasn't there, we don't know why. And with these 10 disciples, this was really the day of the church, quote unquote, 
met for the first time. It shouldn't have been a time of fear, but joy, but they were fearful. So Jesus, he came and stood in their midst just as he passed through the grave clothes, removing the headpiece, the headpiece cloth from his face. He passed through the locked closed doors in his new glorified, supernatural, eternal resurrected body. And he says, peace to you. It's like the shalom of the Old Testament. And it was predicted and, and, and promised in the Old Testament that the Messiah would bring the eschatological peace, the blessing from Yahweh for his people. And here you see it fulfilled in Jesus when he says to these disciples, peace to you. The first time where the church met together, peace to you. And then look at verse 20. And saying this, he showed them both the hands and the side. Yes. This act by Jesus where he showed them. Hands, by the way, probably most likely his wrists. He didn't put the nails in the hands because it would rip out. This act by Jesus was the way to identify himself as disciples. Yes. As to what happened to him. And that he's indeed resurrected from the dead. Yes, true. And it fulfilled what Jesus promised to his disciples at the night of his betrayal. Yes. But see, friends, it goes deeper than that. This and this is the source of their peace. His scarred hands and the pierced side is the source of his peace, God's peace, or rather, the peace that we have with God. That's the source. The eschatological peace promised to come in Messiah in the Old Testament was totally dependent upon the scars that came by Jesus' crucifixion. In other words, peace with God can only come through the sacrificial scars of the resurrected Lord. Jesus died as a substitute for us. That's how you can have peace. Through the sacrifice of Messiah our Lord, his death, through his death, you can have peace with God. It's the only way. Do you want peace with God? Do you want to be freed from guilt, free from the power of sin? Come to the crucified and resurrected Jesus and you'll find peace. You'll have peace with God. Come, trust Christ. Repent and believe. He will save you. You'll find peace. And look what happens with the disciples. Therefore, the disciples, they rejoice seeing the Lord. Duh. Yeah, of course they would. Uh, Jesus promised their grief would be turned into joy. Remember chapter 16, 20 to 24? Their joy was worshipful joy. When we respond to Jesus, we respond with worshipful trust, worshipful joy. The risen Lord is the crucified, scarred Jesus. What great joy. Receivers 
in Jesus, as I said, we have peace. Receivers of peace. Second aspect. Like Jesus, we're on mission. Now there's this aspect of givers. And givers goes from verse 21 all the way to verse 23. But we'll see different points in, uh, in a third aspect and a fourth aspect. But here's where we see givers now. We're receivers, 19 and 20. Now Jesus moves into givers. And verse 21, like Jesus, we're on mission, verse 21. Therefore Jesus said to them, again, peace to you. God's peace now accompanies Jesus' disciples as they embark on the mission given to them by Jesus as the Father has sent me, so I send, different word, different send word, send you my disciples. Like Jesus, we're now on mission from the Father, from Jesus. The Father sent the Son, the Son sends His disciples. So Jesus' disciples, really the whole church, remember this is the first church meeting, Jesus' disciples are commanded to join the Father, participating in the mission similar to the Son's. Uh, Jesus prayed that in chapter 17, verse 21, that they may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Our mission is about peace. We proclaim the shalom, the Old Testament peace, which comes because Jesus triumphed over sin, triumphed over evil. So we join the Father who sent His Son on mission, so we're participating in the same mission as the Son, which was what? We join the Father with what? What's, what, what? what's our mission? We call them to follow Jesus and His words, to trust Jesus, to worship the Son. God is on mission to the world, and so are you. You're givers. You don't just take and then keep it for yourself. You don't just receive and just keep it for yourself. I mean, you want to do that with chocolate. Well, we shouldn't do it. We should share your chocolate with everyone. Just don't take my chocolate. True Christian worship of the Father involves being a church that is missional. That uh, uh, the, uh, cliche word that was used uh, like about 10, 20 years ago. Missional, that was the cliche word. Well, I'll bring it back. Missional in, in what? In, in that we call people to become worshipers of the Father and the Son. That's be missional. That's why missions exist, because worship doesn't. Thank you, John Piper. And it will be done, it will be a mission done with the presence of God and the empowerment of God in the Spirit. We'll see that in just a few moments. So we join the Father's missionary life by staying in Christ and taking this by the Spirit, this aspect of missions. We're on mission like Jesus. So, we looked at, excuse me, we looked at, like Jesus, we have peace. Excuse me, in Jesus we have peace. Like Jesus, we're on mission. Here's a third aspect. 
by Jesus we accomplish his mission. And I'm linking Jesus and the Spirit, the Spirit in Jesus. Verse 22. And when he said this, saying this, there is no on them in Greek. It just says, he blew. And said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus blew, received the Holy Spirit. God's mission must have his presence and must have his empowerment. The Spirit gives life and only by the Spirit can this mission to the world be accomplished. By Jesus we accomplish this mission. And remember, we talked about this a few moments ago, beginning of the message. Just as Yahweh gave life to Adam, Genesis chapter 2, as the first man of creation, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, man became a living nephesh, living soul. So Jesus gave life to the disciples as the first among those who would be part of the new creation, the new humanity, the ones who would have this authority from Jesus. These 10, soon to be 12 men, would be the foundation upon which the new temple, the new humanity, the new creation would be established. This is what Jesus is doing. And it's by his spirit, by Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, we can accomplish this mission. By the spirit, we are the ministering agents in this fallen, evil world, and by the spirit, we're empowered to accomplish this mission. We are God's representatives and ministers in the world. We're the ambassadors, if you will. You have different ambassadors. The U.S. has their ambassadors. Different countries, they have their ambassadors and they're talking and yelling at each other and all that stuff. I know they're not yelling at each other. But they're doing, you know, that's what they do. They're ambassadors. They're, they're speaking for their nation. That's what we are. We are ambassadors. We're representatives and ministers in the world. God's representatives. But Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit. What does he mean by this? Well, it seems to be, I think Carson's right, it seems to be a word of preparation from him about what would happen in the book of Acts when the Spirit would come after Jesus ascended into heaven. So it is symbolic of the soon-to-be power to be witnesses for mission, which would come by the Spirit of Pentecost. And Jesus' act was done to make clear of the Spirit's need in this mission to accomplish this mission. We need the Spirit with us. We need the Spirit's empowerment. It really summarizes the purpose of John's Gospel. The, the, the church, Jesus' body, we exist to call people to become worshipers of God by giving worship to the Son of God who forgives sins and gives them peace and we do that in the Spirit of God. So we're one now with the Trinitarian God. Where we join Him and we work according to His nature. We, we work according to, for His purposes, joining in His mission to the world. And it is only by the Spirit that we can be true participants in His work. And this act by Jesus emphasizes it. 
See, only by the Spirit. It can only be done by the Spirit. So we've received this work of renewal and we're ministers of God's work. His work of renewal for the world. We call the world to come and worship the risen, scarred Jesus. That's the reason we exist. So, like Jesus, we're on mission. And Jesus, we have peace from Jesus. Uh, um, excuse me. Like Jesus, we're on mission. By Jesus, we accomplish this mission. Now, here's the fourth aspect. We'll see it in verse 23. From Jesus, we proclaim with authority. From Jesus, we proclaim with authority. This has been twisted to mean something that does not mean. So let's look at, see what this means when Jesus says this. When he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they have been forgiven them. If you retain of any, they've been retained. See now, in this verse, Jesus addressed the authority these disciples, really the church, would have after his ascension and as his representatives on earth. So as he, he spoke to these 10 disciples, they represented Christ's body, the church. It's the first uh, meeting of the church, which we've established by these apostles. If you forgive, they'll be forgiven. They have been forgiven. Jesus shares his authority with the church, or rather, it's more like this. Jesus has joined us to himself as his representatives in the church's role in forgiving sins, positively and negatively. And notice the verb after the if clause. If you forgive the sins of any, they have been forgiven them. It's passive. So God is the active agent in forgiving people. We don't forgive people. God's the active agent in doing that. Jesus made that clear. And if we retain them, they have been retained. God is the active agent in causing people to stay in their condition of being unforgiven. And God is the active agent in causing people to be in their condition of being forgiven. This is all tied to what Jesus says to his disciples in verse 19. Peace to you. There's peace in the forgiveness of sins. Those who do not respond to this message of peace and forgiveness, the message of the gospel. They're left in their sins by God himself. And those who do respond to this message of peace and forgiveness, the message of the gospel, their sins are forgiven by God himself. Peace comes from the crucified scars of Jesus. These disciples, Christ's body, have joined the Father on mission. The Spirit is present and empowers the body on this mission. So what's the mission? We call people to repent and find forgiveness of their sins. Our mission is connected to forgiveness of sins. Our mission can be summarized in this way. We forgive sins. We retain sins. Here's the message. Come. Our message is forgiveness of sins and the sacrificial scars of the resurrected Jesus 
And our mission is, as Clink says, quote, to liberate the world from the power of sin. This only comes from Jesus. God is the active agent here. So Jesus' sacrificial death has been accomplished, bringing to us both peace and forgiveness. And we join God as Christ's body on this mission of liberation to the world. Find peace, find forgiveness. And as we participate in God's mission, we're really participating in the life of God. We talked about that before. Clink says that. We respond to his nature by worshiping him, God who is the missionary God. We exist to worship Jesus alone. Only the wounds of Jesus can be the source of our peace with God. Only the wounds of Jesus can we find forgiveness of sins. This is the message we proclaim. We're the givers. We give that to people. We're partakers of this peace and forgiveness. And we join in calling people to find peace and forgiveness. We join God. It's a response of worship and praise to the God who loves the world, calling the world to repent. So again, if missions lacks in a church, it's not because you don't have the right strategies or the right programs. The problem is a poor worship of God. We as a church body, we must align ourselves to God's nature and character. Here it is. The more we worship God, the more we join God, and the more missional we become in the mission of God. We have God's personal presence with us, dwelling inside of us. It's His Spirit who also empowers us for this mission. And we're the new humanity, the new creation, founded on the sacrificial scars of the resurrected Jesus. This is what Jesus was communicating to his disciples in these few short verses. So, we are commissioned by God to proclaim his peace and forgiveness, which only comes by the crucified, scarred Jesus. And it's the Spirit who's with us, who unites us and who empowers us. So we must realize that we've joined in the mission of the Trinitarian God. We've joined Him. And that we represent Him, the Trinitarian God in the world, speaking the message of peace and forgiveness to the world. And as we're speaking this message, we don't come with arrogance. We don't come with arrogance. We don't come with pride. That's ridiculous. We declare this message to the world having become partakers of this message and forgiveness ourselves. Our very existence as Christ's body is a display of his peace and forgiveness, is a display of the work of the gospel in us. That's why we don't come with arrogance. And now that we're partakers of Jesus' peace, we participate with God, speaking to the world this message of peace and forgiveness. In Jesus, we have peace. Like Jesus, we're on mission. By Jesus, we accomplish this mission. From Jesus, we proclaim with authority. This is what Jesus was communicating in this passage. So sum it up. 
We are partakers of peace and participate in the mission of peace. We're heirs of grace and heralds of grace. Proclaim grace. We're receivers of grace and we're ministers of grace. We are takers of peace and givers of peace. We're receivers of peace and we're givers of peace. That's what Jesus is telling us from his word. Let's pray and ask him to help us. And as we see this, Lord Jesus, we just know we we fall so short. And yet we can say thank you to your spirit who's with us, in us. And spirit, we need you to empower us. By Jesus, we accomplish this mission. Empower us Spirit of Jesus, to accomplish this mission. Thank you that in Jesus, in you, Lord Jesus, we have peace. And yet we proclaim this to this world and we proclaim with authority. We have the authority to do this. The authority comes from you. Use us in that way. Use us, we pray. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Help us not to just be receivers, but help us to be givers of this peace and forgiveness. I want to encourage you to take these few moments and to let your mind dwell on what we've seen from God's word in John 20 this morning. Let the Spirit prick your mind. And warm your heart to the truth. Fill your mind with this truth of what we've seen here. God has spoken from his word. Pray that God will have us be on mission. We have this 2023 challenge. You maybe pray for the person you've been giving the gospel to that person. Pray for that person. Pray for others who are doing that too, the 2023 challenge. Do that. Take this time to pray. Would you do that now, please?